Hey, it's Munir here. Just wanted to let you know that I just launched a shop on easymedicaldevice.com where you can find some templates for your documentation, some coaching sessions or some online courses. If there is anything that you need but it's not there, so let me know and I'll create it. Okay, so now let's listen to this episode. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, we will continue what we have started last week. So last week, we had the part one episode where we discussed specifically about the corrigandum for class one devices. And today, we will go through more details about that, but also regarding class pure class one devices. Uh, because even if you are pure class one devices, even if you are self-certified, there is still some requirements to follow. And Eric Volbrecht will really provide you a lot of great information for you to be still compliant. As I said, my role is really to help you to place a compliant medical device on the market. And I hope by listening to this episode, you will execute and you will then not be trapped by uh, any compliance issue. Don't forget, so you have still to subscribe to the podcast. You have still to provide your questions also. If you have some questions related to the previous episode or to this episode, don't forget to also go to the comments and just uh, put a comment. I will send that to Eric and uh, or I can, if I can answer, I will answer it myself uh, so that it can really help you. And if you have some colleagues that really need some support to understand the medical device regulation, the medical device standards, don't hesitate to share with them also this podcast. Okay, so let's listen to Eric Volbrecht. Um, one sure. thing also that uh, is important is the fact that even if those companies that have a class one device that is upgraded are having an, an extension until 2024, they still have to um, respect some MDR requirements. Mm -hmm. um, yep. There are the registration of economic operators, there are the yeah. PMS, etc., uh, etc., et vigilance. So... Yes. Um, how they can do that now? How they can do that now? Well, now uh, still they can use whatever is available uh, in, in, in the member state, of course. Yeah, but uh, well, we, we, we had this fantastic plan of having Udemed for that stuff. And then Udemed was moved two years ago. This is why I want to ask you the question, because I think this is, will not be applicable only for, uh, for class one up, up, uh, um, that are um, up, up classified as... Uh, uh, as this uh, corrigandum, but also for all the devices that are on the soft transition period, because they have to still respect this. But Udamed is not will not be live apparently, from what I heard, mm -hmm. from what everybody has heard. <laughs> so now, well, what they should they do with that? Jokes about yeah, yeah. So I mean, what 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 they'll need to do is um, uh, again, if we go back to the to the CAMD's. Uh, FAQs from uh, December 2017. They discussed the situation and they said, and they were it was question, uh, what was it, 20? I think yeah, 20, where they were really, really clear. Uh, I referenced that in my last blog post about uh, the Unimed delay as well. They said, if Unimed is not ready, 
it means that you cannot upload whatever stuff that the medical devices regulation says you have to do and to make in Udemed. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to prepare these documents or, or fulfill these obligations. You will just need to communicate them to whoever they would need them under the directives with the means that the directives provide. That's a bit of a convoluted sentence, but that's basically what it looks like. So uh, the only thing you can do basically is to wait or, or to approach the competent authority that's responsible for you. So if you're a legal manufacturer in uh, the union, talk to the competent authority. Uh, of your union member state, or uh, if you have an authorized representative, then see if the authorized representative can find out um, how it will work in that member state. So how are you going to register as an economic operator if there's not a Unimed to register in? Nobody knows. <laughs> you, use, you use the system that they currently have, or not excluded either, you use the system that they were developing prospectively to Udemed and which was going to work as a sort of shadow system uh, behind Udemed, for example, for, uh, for uh, uh, registration and validation for the SRN purposes. Because if you look at how Udemed was supposed to work, for an SRN, for example, a single registration number, you would obtain it via Udemed, but the way Udemed would work is that you request it through Udemed, then Udemed uh, connects to the system of the local competent authority saying, hey guys, there's a request for an SRN, please validate. Then they do their own validation and then they can uh, input it back into Udemed and then Udemed issues the single registration number to the manufacturer. So, for example, it's, it's interesting. I was at the conference where uh, a lady of the Belgian Competent Authority uh, spoke into in quite a lot of detail how the Belgian Competent Authority was uh, working on modifying their back uh, office systems in order to yeah, be really a back office to uh, the Unimed database. Because Unimed contains a lot, but these national steps it can't do itself because it can't be 24 databases or, or 28 databases in 28 different uh, member states and then all the rest. So it means that there will be, so there will be national in IT infrastructure and other infrastructure that, that is there or that's under development. And under the directives, member states have the liberty to require you to work with what they have. So that means that, that, yeah, even in those four years or four and a half years from now until, um, uh, until uh, the soft transition period ends, it might be that, that, that you have member states that change their IT systems three times. That could happen. So it's, uh, it's mainly um, a situation that uh, will be complicated for class one that are classified, but also for all the ones that are in the soft transition period. So do you think there will be also a communication, like a MDCG guidance or something like that to help Picopol? Because actually there was this information, oh, Udamed will be delayed, but there was no clarification in terms of 
for example, economic operators, as you mentioned, how to register them, should we register them, um, how to register them, etc. So do you think there will be a guidance or some communication that will come out well, of that? Yeah, there should be, because uh, I agree, the situation is completely unclear. Because, uh, because this FAQ document said, well, you have to do what the MDR tells you, and then you have to provide it to whoever wants it <laughs> at a national level with the tools that they have at the moment. So that's, that's kind of unclear. And, and if like, they have no tool at the end, they cannot provide anything. And I think yeah. the computer authority doesn't want maybe to receive that also because they say, what should I do with that? Well, exactly. And they also have no means to meaningfully share it with each other because, uh, because I mean, if you look at it, Udemet was really going to be like sort of the, uh, the circulatory system uh, for the for the MDR and the IVDR, eh? because it's it's based on the situation that uh, there's this 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 single set of databases that connects to each other, and that contains everything about everything. It contains the economic operators, it contains the devices, it contains all the uh, the the UDIs, SSCs, all of it, and now that's not there. So you're in soft transition. Then, then the interesting question is, am I obliged to, to, have, to make an SSCP for my product in the first place? Because soft transition says, vigilance, market surveillance, post-market surveillance, registration of economic operators and devices. Does not say SSCP. Mm -hmm. So it means that we don't need that? <laughs> or it means that it's unclear? Or it means that, yeah, there is a lot of... Thing that should be clarified here. here. Uh, it depends on who you ask, because I think with Article 120, you can argue both ways, although it, I think it's more likely that, they, uh, that, that uh, for devices in soft transition, uh, things like SSCPs, for example, are not yet required. But uh, yeah, you may also argue the other way and say, look, the MDR is applicable. And Article 123 is only about uh, about um, alternative structures. So it means that related to the to the uh, to the uh, uh, existing declaration of conformity or the existing uh, certificate. So um, as we as we said, so there is uh, this corrigendum that came from Class One. There is this UDAMED delay that uh, arrived. We see that there is some connection also uh, in terms of activity for, for both. I, I'm, I don't know, but maybe there will be something coming later again. So we can say now that for people that the MDR is still not stable in terms of document, of text, of regulation, of what is written inside. So what we are saying today can change tomorrow. So mm -hmm. I imagine that for us as people that are professional in terms of regulatory affairs, regulations, um, it starts to be a bit difficult. Um, what Trust about manufacturers that are there on the field and have their projects and have a lot of things to, to think about, and now they have to switch between one and the other um, yeah, uh, as soon as they hear about a new information? Yeah, that, 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 that's something I've been telling companies for quite a long time, is make scenarios for these kinds of situations. What will I do if this happens or if that happens? Because what you normally see is that uh, companies, they take a linear approach to NDR implementation and they will just say, okay, I will, uh, I will aim to have 
done project A by date B. But what they often don't do is that they build in, yeah, but what if project A actually turns out to not be the scope that I need, but I need the scope A, uh, A uh, plus. They often don't have any scenario for that. Yeah, we talked about that, uh, I think, on the previous episodes about uh, laying yeah. down service, etc. There was a lot of uh, where yeah. we talked about scenarios. Yeah, well, and this 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 is one of these uh, situations where you, where you really need to think about uh, if things look different. Uh, if you if you're a general in the army, this is what you're doing the whole time. Yeah, true. Yeah, because uh, because uh, well, as 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 there's this saying like uh, no no plan survives first contact with the enemy, <laughs> and you could say well no transition plan survives first contact with the MDR. That's apparently how things are these days. <laughs> so that's why you need to make uh, that's why you need to make scenarios. Yeah. So uh, for people, so um, I also recommend you to go and read uh, the blog post of Eric Volbrecht. There is a lot of details here. Uh, the last article was about uh, this in, uh, Udamed delay, and uh, there was a lot of the things that we mentioned today that were also included. So if you want to have a more deep dive on that, you can go and read the article. Really excellent. Um, Eric, uh, is there another thing for class one devices? Uh, any information that you should provide to people? Yeah, um, well, we've been talking mainly about class one devices that are covered by the article 120, section three, uh, 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 possibility, right? The core agenda. Yeah. But that only applies to the class one manufacturers that are not upclassified or that need an additional certificate like the class one uh, reusable uh, surgical instruments. All the other class ones that remain exactly the ones that they are, and like for example, the class one devices that remain a class one device under the MDR because they are non-invasive and are not, not classified under any other rule, and just like the rule one devices, those devices are still on the hook for full MDR compliance by uh, 26 May even if they don't need a notified body. So for them, there is still a steep learning curve to go. They are affected by the Udemet delay, which we've been discussing, but also they have to do all the other homework. And so they, they still have a big gap uh, that they still need to, uh, need to bridge because they need to completely redo their technical documentation. They need to set up uh, additional modules in their technical documentation, eh, like, like the whole Annex uh, 3 part, uh, post-market uh, surveillance uh, uh, plan and post-market clinical follow-up. And especially uh, post-market clinical follow-up is something that these class one manufacturers have never been doing. Yeah. They may have done some vigilance, but they've never done vigilance in terms of post-market clinical follow-up, for example. So there is a lot of, as you mentioned also, they had no contact with notified bodies, so they don't have all this mindset of, uh, of uh, getting uh, in compliance with some documentation that we already know when we are in contact with notified bodies. They have, they don't, I mean, there is a lot of things that they have to learn. But um, as we also mentioned, there is, um, there is some companies that think now that as they are class one, as they ha there is no notified body, as there is no audit, they are in the safe side. They can pro 
create a technical file as they want and then put the product on the market, there is no risk. But as we mentioned, there is a risk. Yeah, there is a risk because uh, the, the the rules will change a lot. Uh, and 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 uh, 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 for example, uh, well, the MDR is about more data, really. So that means that even for a class one device, you need more clinical data to support your product. Clinical evaluation needs to be redone. And in the scope of this whole uh, clinical evaluation redoing exercise, you will often find that you need more uh, uh, that you'll need more uh, clinical data. And actually, this is this is one where the the the, the, the class one devices in uh, soft transition they are lucky because they get more time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the other hand, they will be upclassified, so they really have to go for this data like crazy now, and basically post market clinical follow up the hell out of their soft transitional period, because they will need to also meet an even higher. Uh, clinical burden to A, to B, or maybe even three, uh, when they are finally uh, MDR uh, certified. So, so it, means, it means it means that there, there there is still some also misunderstanding maybe by some manufacturers that think that um, uh, that it will be an easy path for them uh, when it will not. Um, so can we give them a quick advice because now it's what we are December. <laughs> They have to be ready by May. Uh, getting clinical data is not something that you can get just by um, by um, by few 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 months, if I can say. Um, is there something that they can do and start to do now? Uh, yeah, it's like uh, well, it's uh, I can I, I can quote uh, uh, Immanuel Kant, one of my favorite philosophers, and he said, "Dare to be wise, sapere aude," and that's that's the only way to become enlightened. So they have to do something, uh, and um, so they have to go for this for this uh, for this data, and they have to start closing the gap immediately, because there's still six months time until uh, well six and a half maybe until uh, they have to be compliant. So that means that that right now, uh, as soon as they finish this podcast, they should immediately dive into their uh, in, dive into their uh, uh, their data and start to see how can I actually get to the level that's required and how can I make these couple of months uh, count. Another one that's also something I see uh, with uh, class one manufacturers uh, as quite problematic is. An, an ordinary class one uh, manufacturer has been operating an Annex 7 quality, well, you can't even call it a system, I would say, under the MDB. Yeah? They, okay. they, they, they needed to do some vigilance. They needed to do some postmark. If you look at uh, the MDR, the MDR is uh, much more strict, has a much higher baseline for quality system. Uh, and that applies to everybody. If you look in Article 10, Section 9 of the MDR, that says everybody needs to have this quality system at least. And if you look at what that means in the MDR, it's actually it's a quality system that is goes even beyond uh, the ISO 13485-2016 uh, standard. And there's a there's there's a there's a pretty good uh, technical report 
by uh, by ISO that uh, or I'm not sure it's by ISO anyway. It's I can't remember if it's by ISO, but I have the number, so I can put that on the show notes for people to, to get that. It's a comparison between MDR and uh, ISO 13485. Exactly, yeah. That's that, And that, that document shows that even if you are fully ISO 13485-2016 compliant, you are still not there. Exactly. And I can tell you it is a big gap from Annex 7 MDD, if that's all you were doing, to uh, uh, to uh, Article 10, Section 9, MDR fully compliant, uh, because I mean, yeah, that that document shows that it's it's a really big gap. Yeah, and it that is. It if you are, uh, if it's uh, it's co completely covered, uh, if the MDR requirement is completely covered by the ISO, or if it's partially covered or not covered at all, or etc. So it's also showing you some some of this. Yeah, and it means that 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 you have to do a really big quality exercise as a company. And I think that that most companies are, um, yeah, they're they they don't realize how much work that is to get to that kind of level of uh, uh, quality. Yeah, I had um, just for a story. I had some people also contacting me from the U.S. that have a class one device exempt. Uh, so and they want to um, put it on the market in Europe. And they were saying to me, it's crazy how much it costs uh, to be in compliance with the European regulation when we are class one, when in the US it's not so, so it, it costs not so much. And now, yeah, they are starting to uh, really see that uh, all the requirements uh, can cost money to create a technical file, to, cre to create a quality management system that is compliant, to find an authorized representative also, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So there is a lot of things that have to be done. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of companies that were really surprised by how much it costs. Yeah, and also how complicated it is, eh? because I mean, Europe is going to be very complicated in the in in let's say the coming year, because we have a Brexit or not. Yeah, we have a Swixit or not. <laughs> we might have a Turks Turks never happening situation. Okay, uh, and and then. Uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 uh, that that makes it very complicated. Okay, so um, Eric, uh, I think we have now provided really a lot of information for people about class one. We really mm -hmm. covered class one and um, class one classified and also class one normal devices, uh, yep. so that people are, have no confusion and they really understand what they should do to be compliant. Uh, also, warning: uh, there is um, if you are not compliant. There can be also a retrospective check of what you are doing. So don't uh, yeah. assume that, oh, uh, nobody caught you, so then you are on the safe side. No, uh, there is still a, retro a retrospective check. Uh, and there is also a lot of things that you have to, uh, to be uh, checking, to be uh, putting in place, as we discussed about the quality management system, the technical file. Uh, yep. also is a topic, so we have also covered that. I think, yeah, we have really reviewed all the aspects of class one, and I hope that now manufacturers are ready ready to um, to start their the work, if I can say, to be compliant by May 2020 for those that should. And uh, by May 2024, uh, there is still a lot of work to do for some companies. So don't just uh, remain seated and say, oh, it's fine. I have still some time. Uh, you have still, you have to find your way also there. You have to find also a notified body. I hope you will find that also and uh, mm -hmm. be able then to, uh, to be receiving your certificate. Okay, can I, can I make one, one remark there? Because what, what I see with the, of course, with that's, that's many uh, of my clients that are class, class one in soft transition. Yeah. Uh, so software uh, companies are saying like, yeah, 
Oh, so we have a declaration of conformity and it's valid until end of May 2024. Yes. Okay. Then we will aim our uh, MDR research, our MDR certification as close to that date as we can. That is stupid. It's suicide. Why? Because uh, a lot will be happening then because all of the class 2A and higher devices in soft transition they will also require their MDR certificate then. But those guys already have a notified body. And these class one devices and soft transitions do not have a notified body yep. yet. So that means that if you are going to try and climb aboard of a notified body by the beginning of 2024, you are completely too late. You are totally too late. So I, my message to be to to the class one manufacturers with an upclassified device under the MDR would be: do not wait until 2024. You're always too late. Do not even wait until 2023 because you will be on the bottom of the pile of the last notified body that will still have you. So do be clever and go actually to the MDR as soon as you can. 2021, maybe, when the first big wave has passed, through 2022, maybe, but not later. Because as soon as you are, I think, later than that, you run into the problem that you're going to be in a queue and you're just going to be too late. Great. Sorry, sorry to put that in at the end, but it's it's no, really it's, important. It's completely fine. I think uh, yeah, manufacturers should really listen to this uh, wise message from a wise man that really made <laughs> had a lot of experience now with manufacturers uh, because yeah, I, and I confirm that uh, there is a lot of uh, things that will be ongoing. So be on the safe side and try to uh, secure your company as soon as possible instead of waiting until the end. Okay, Eric. So I think it's uh, it's a great uh, great um, information that we provided today, uh, and uh, I hope you really will listen to us and we listen to uh, what we are saying. If you have also um, so for the audience, if they have more questions, so please don't hesitate to put some comments uh, on YouTube or on LinkedIn or, or wherever that uh, this uh, you see this um, this message. If you have some question, I will uh, pass them to Eric and he will try to answer to those questions. Uh, and also for the people that are watching this episode and listening to it, please don't forget to subscribe uh, to provide also a review. I'm uh, lo looking at all your reviews and thank you for that. It gives me a lot of feedback. Uh, and also uh, to uh, share this episode or the episode that you are looking at to with your colleagues because I think this the message that you are providing can be also listened by a lot of your colleagues. So don't hesitate to do that. Okay, Eric. So thank you for your time. Thank you for all the information and I wish you a nice day. Nice day to you as well, Monir. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.